And welcome into a new episode of American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Network. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Thanks for joining us here today. Well, milk production overall in the latest USDA milk production report had a significant decrease. Robert Schmall, branch manager of Ag Dairy, a division of John Stewart and Associates, explains. In the 50 states, we were down 0.5%. Uh, in the top 24 states, we were down 0.6%. Top 24 states, it's the largest year-over-year decline since April of 22. On the 50 states, it's the largest decline since May of 22. And Schmall adds why this is the case. Well, we're seeing uh, lower prices have permeated through. We're looking at uh, heavier culling that has been done, and uh, production per cow has declined, and we saw some adverse weather to some degree uh, coming through the month of July. But probably the combination of that with high feed prices, low milk price, which July we saw a very low milk price back to May of 2020, lowest since then, that all worked through to a heavier culling rate. Schmall also says California, the largest milk producing state, also had a decrease in the latest milk production report. In July, California was down 5.5%. They're the largest milk producing state. First of all, it was probably a combination of the flooding they had earlier this year. A lot of rainfall had some impact. More cows may be moving to the culling barns. Uh, but we've had high feed prices in California and hot weather as well uh, as we came through the first part of the summer. And all that came together to see that decrease in milk production of 5.5%. But that their number one state, the number two state, Wisconsin, a little bit different situation. That was up 0.9%. Still, we're dealing with low milk prices, higher feed prices. But weather was a lot more conducive to milk production. Part of it could be smaller cow or smaller farms that got more of a benefit from the dairy margin coverage program as well. And once again, that is Robert Schmall, branch manager for Ag Dairy, a division of John Stewart and Associates, recapping the latest milk production report. Well, a fall farm bill looks less certain than expected as House GOP leaders try to head off a looming rebellion from their hard right flank. House Freedom Caucus Republicans are now targeting the farm bill, USDA and other spending bills, and any clean budget extension to keep the government open after September 30th. Senate Ag Republican Iowa's Chuck Grassley claims at least a shutdown threat won't fly. You just got to say that that's jockeying that just normally goes on in the House of Representatives. To some extent, you uh, had the same problem for Pelosi, only it wasn't as public as it is now among Republicans. But dozens of GOP hardliners are demanding bigger spending cuts, more for border security, and limits to Ukraine aid to keep the government open. In the Farm Bill, they want tougher SNAP work and state work waiver requirements. Food stamp funding is mandatory, but Grassley says other Farm Bill programs would have to be extended. If the Farm Bill programs end September 30th, they could be easily extended for the next few weeks while we're negotiating the five-year Farm Bill. But if we don't get a five-year farm bill done by December 31st, uh, I'm sure we're going to have to have a one-year extension. During an election year when farm bill issues would become even more politicized. Politico reports House Ag Chair Glenn G.T. Thompson, already late in producing a draft farm bill, is trying to avert a catastrophe on the floor by hardliners upset over the bill's trillion-dollar-plus price tag. But GOP lawmakers now expect at least 60 House Republicans to oppose a final farm bill, forcing Speaker Kevin McCarthy to turn to Democrats for votes, risking an internal rebellion to his speakership.
Well, new research shows labor shortages present persistent challenges for regional economies, but can also create opportunities for young workers. The research published Tuesday on the University of Illinois Farm Doc Daily website shows youth employment can also help employers fill the part-time, low-wage, and often seasonal positions. Generation Z is relatively smaller than the millennial generation. As a result, fewer young people are working because there are simply fewer young people. However, every Midwestern state had a higher labor force participation rate among workers aged 16 to 19 than the nation. The highest levels of youth employment occur in relatively small rural counties. Additionally, the food service and accommodation industry and the retail sector employ the most young workers. The research concludes that connecting young people to beneficial rather than exploitative work opportunities is a critical step in building and sustaining the local labor force, but it also directs them toward opportunities that might lead to a career. While pork producers in Iowa, Minnesota, and Missouri have a grant opportunity in sustainability, assisting in climate-smart agriculture practices. Jamie Burr, the chief sustainability officer at the National Pork Board, says this grant is focused on a variety of practices, including cover crops, livestock integration, conservation tillage, grass buffers, in-barn LED lighting, and manure management. So for like a second pumping of manure in the fall, we have found that there's a reduction um, in greenhouse gas emissions by that second pumping. In this grant, we can also have fencing and pay for livestock inclusion so that the livestock can grow raise that cover crop. So there's more benefit than just, you know, the environmental benefit of having the cover crop. Burr said this grant and the one being offered by Farmers for Soil Health have similarities. So they could use the Farmers for Soil Health grant to apply for cover crop funding, but then they could also apply for the grant to do manure pumping. So it's not it's not one or the other. They can put those two together and, and kind of double down, if you will, on practices to, to implement. The environmental footprint of pork encompasses sustainability metrics of corn and soybean production. So what these grants do is is work with, you know, if a pork producer is also a, a grain producer, it allows them to, you know, to just want right there on their farm to be a, be affecting environmental outcomes. But it also allows us to work with our supply chain and to provide grant dollars to begin implementing those practices that improve those environmental outcomes. Enrollment for both grants is open. Iowa, Minnesota, and Missouri producers eager to enroll in the National Pork Board-led grant can go to porkcheckoff.org. Farmers from 20 Midwest states interested in learning about cover crops and the Farmers for Soil Health grant can go to farmersforsoilhealth.com. And finally, here on today's program, while Georgia's on many consumers' minds when it comes to fresh, juicy peaches, California is by far the largest peach-producing state in the U.S. USDA's Economic Research Service reports that last year, California's harvest yielded 475,000 tons of fruit, with South Carolina a distant second at 67,400 tons, and Georgia in third place with production at 24,800 tons. California has been the leading producer of freestone peaches for the fresh market and clingstone peaches for processing. However, the state's peach production has been trending lower for almost two decades, contributing to an overall drop in U.S. peach production. Total production in the U.S. in 2022 was estimated at 625,680 tons, 8% smaller than the crop in 2019. In 2022, California's peach harvest was about 5% smaller than in 2019 and nearly 27% lower than 10 years earlier. USDA forecast 2023 peach production 13% lower than last year.
We're out of time here on American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Network. I'm Jesse Allen, wishing you a great rest of your day.